welcome to Defend. This is episode number 64. Um, still, uh, still, I'm in Holland, uh, where the pandemic is, seems to be the second wave. And we are not allowed into Belgium and Germany. So I guess uh, that's okay, I guess. I mean, nobody goes to Germany. Sorry, Belgium anyway. Who the fuck goes to Belgium? It's Belgium. <laughs> I, you're not allowed to come to Belgium, especially you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the hitchhiker guy, you know, like the worst word yeah. in the ga- universe, <laughs> in the galaxy. It's like Belgium, well, I think, man, I Belgium. Think, I think we're all, we're all getting fucked by Corona. So yes, in yeah. Belgium, it's, uh, it's because of these bloody idiots who want to send their kids back to school. Uh, yeah. And I'm one of them, unfortunately, because uh, we have got a teenage son and um, he's back in school. They've already had a case at school. Uh, yeah. God knows if they're going to change their mind. It seems it seems like a weird concept, you know, to to have all this like social uh, dis- social distancing, small bubbles, and then say, oh, you know what? All these people that are like known to be super gregarious and lack any discipline. Let's just get them all together. Them all together, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we're about the UK, Mr. James. Welcome, welcome to Defen. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, yeah, UK. Um, they're, they're starting to talk about second waves again here. Um, I mean, it's mm. it's ju- just about starting to make the news again um, in terms in terms of people talking about it and talking about potential lockdowns and that kind of thing. But I think we're in a we're in a similar situation. Like the schools went back. What I crack it, it must be what a couple of weeks ago now. Yeah. Um, they've just finished the uh, eat out to help out, so we've all, we've all been sort of dining out for half price on the government, which is rather nice. Thank you, uh, thank you, Chancellor, for that one. Okay. Um, but and then what's he called? Sonny? Uh, Rishi Sunil. Sunak. Oh, Rishi Sunak. Sunak. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, but yeah, and then there, everyone back in the offices. Well, apart from apart from us, obviously, oh, wow. us, us techies. Okay. Um. And yeah, and they're starting to wonder why cases are going up again. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, hmm. anyway on that that's, happy that's note, COVID. let's start. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, the agenda we, we item number the... one: the running order. See, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, check check everyone's. Well, have you have you do you, I mean, funnily enough, um, well, we can just do this little quick check. You know, the COVID-related kind of um, stories. Uh, one of my colleagues at work, he. We all work remote, so it's not like a, a breathing colleague. Well, he is breathing, but he's not over me. <laughs> not breathing um, in in your face. Well, I've, I've, <laughs> I've seen him on. I've seen him breathing on the Zoom or whatever it is that we use. You know? <laughs> so, uh, so but he workout. he did he did get yeah exactly <laughs> he did get um, he did get COVID and um, he's a young lad, very fit. I mean, that young lad. He's about thirty five, but you know, he's not mm. like a teenager, but he's a young man. Uh, was kind of like MMA guy, mixed martial arts, and uh, you know, super fit bloke. And he had it, and he's like, "What?" I think it's like two or three months on now, and he's still kind of like feeling it, you know, in his chest wow, when he yeah. when he starts to do stuff. So it's pretty bad. Do you guys yeah. have any um, experience of colleagues or family members that have got it? Uh, fortunately, not for me. We got um, next door neighbor had it, I think, quite early on, um, and he, he said it was really quite rough. Um, yeah. Apart from that. Think next door neighbors know. count, you know. I mean, yeah, it's right next yeah. to you, you know. Family lives that. like half a mile, you know, 300 miles away. But the, the next door neighbor, yeah, he's had it, but you know, we're still kissing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we're still coming around for dinner every Friday, you know. And one of my colleagues, he got a COVID uh, test, and he oh, said yeah. it's, it's it's horrible. And the, the test itself is like, 
really, um, really bad because they put the swab up your nose, almost touching your brain. Yeah. So that's not a good experience. But uh, luckily, it came out negative for him. Uh, but there are folks in um, in New York uh, in one of the branches of uh, of the company that I work for. Um, they I mean uh, their mother or somebody passed away due to COVID uh, in the first uh, really really bad. Uh, yeah, that was, it was really bad in New York, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a strange thing. It doesn't seem to have an end. And now they are talking about maybe they'll put some sort of a curfew if goes uh, if it goes really really bad in Amsterdam, for example. Uh, in the Netherlands, actually, we have these big cities, and then the three, four big cities together. That is the like the commercial center of the Netherlands. We call mm-hmm. Randstad, like uh, the Hague, Amsterdam, Rotterdam, Utrecht. So that is the place where the most cases are raising these days. Mm-hmm. So they're they're trying to see if um, uh, localized restrictions can be put in there to, to mm-hmm. reduce. And and the weather is not helping because the fucking summer keeps going on forever here. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's super annoying for me coming from uh, India. You know, <laughs> running away yeah, from summers. India is having yeah. like three million cases a day, isn't it? So it doesn't yeah. look like the, the the heat is not good for this thing. Look, we have like billions of people, so statistically, you know, <laughs> they're, they're going to have a lot of lot of stuff. Yeah, that's that yeah. doesn't make news over here. It probably should. Yeah, it's mostly local, and also I think the, I think the death rate is a bit lower in India, though. It's the biggest daily. They have the biggest yeah. daily numbers, don't they? Of uh, yeah, all yeah, countries. Yeah. Yeah. But the death rate is not at the same level as uh, we had in Italy and Spain, which is surprising. So, it is surprising. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's because India is India's more "quote unquote" younger population, uh, hmm. because we we did have that. Uh, I think this generation is there is a lot of folks who are very young in India, hmm. compared hmm. to Western Europe, where the population is skewed towards older generation. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that that could be one thing, but um, anyway, obviously, as I'm a uh, epidemiologist expert, obviously, so I think uh, my opinion is uh, most important. Well, absolutely. I'm just gonna, yeah. I'm just gonna say whatever the fuck that I think. <laughs> okay, what? so but the dude, what? <laughs> why vary? You know, from the rest of the fucking podcast, you know. <laughs> I think we, we should just keep talking about COVID and then James will be like, okay, I'm going to check him out. Like, fuck this thing. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, people are hearing about this stuff already, like 24 by 7. So I know, I know. It's, it's, it's a little, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. I mean, I mean, we shouldn't avoid it because it's pretty serious. I understand it. But, you know, we need yes. our little, little respites away from. Yeah. yeah. To, to breathe and, and, you know, okay, let's, let's try to focus on something. Anyway, so, um, on that happy just, a, note. just on a happy note, actually. <laughs> no, I am interested, actually, as to because I know yep. some people. I mean, for me, COVID hasn't been too bad, and I'm very, you know, I'm very privileged to have that situation where I, I've worked remotely before COVID, and you know, we're we're relatively kind of um, in a relatively rural area, so we don't have a lot of people, and you know, so you know, I'm very lucky that it has been relatively strict, and I've kept working. So it has the economics yeah. haven't really affected me too much. So it's you know incredibly fucking lucky basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know I feel like um, I feel like some parts of this. I mean for me I got a dog after the lockdown. And me too. It's yeah, and it, but honestly that has been it's it's made me into the neighborhood. So many people in the in the neighborhood know me now, <laughs> and it's like getting invites to come and. And that's it, anti-COVID, actually, in many ways, to go around to people's houses because of the dog. 
but it's but it's a it's a remarkable i mean you know i got the i didn't get the dog just because of the lockdown but it, it's definitely helped with this isolation i think um mm-hmm. and uh and it's definitely helped to you know integrate me with the more neighbors and we've i've lived here for 12 years i've never spoken to neighbors as much as in the last you know two months yeah, so yeah. so yeah. it's it's yeah. that's a bit of a nice story to me coming out of yeah. covid but I don't know about you guys, if you've got any kind of nice reflections on things that have happened that are good rather than uh, We, we saw something quite similar here. Um, so, um, we've, we've had a doctor a few years now. Mm. Um, and we saw as soon as, um, as soon as they came out and said, right, everyone's, everyone's allowed one walk a day. You're allowed out for an hour. Yeah. You're right. um, we, found, we found sort of whole, a whole load more people. Like we, we've, got, um, we've got a sort of green area over the back there that we take out um, every day. Yeah. Um, but we, we found a whole load more people, sort of families out, you know, you name it, sort of people looking quite mm. lost, like where are I, I never realised we had this green space <laughs> around there. <laughs> um, yeah. But then, but yeah. then all of a sudden, the um, all, all the restrictions relaxed, and when everyone yeah. was allowed out, all of a sudden it's got really quiet again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're allowed there now. So, so your well, benefit is all the spaces back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just the dog walkers again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got the same same thing. Uh, I got a really small puppy, so he needs to go out a lot. And I live I'm in, a, in an apartment pretty close to the to the dunes and the beach, uh, like mm-hmm. five minutes outside. So I started going out like every two hours, like like a clockwork. You know, first oh, right. I took I took like uh, almost two weeks off just to stay with the dog, we stay with the puppy, and then just just walking him. So I'm showing up at five thirty, seven thirty, nine thirty. You know, like, <laughs> it's like every every two hours, Holy I'm just walking yeah. walking the puppy outside overnight but, as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in, in the night as well. I, I first week I did in the, in the night as well. But um, I think the the nice part is that the, then he house broke like like in one week, like nothing. So he he stopped doing his shit in home in second yeah. day already, uh, which is nice. But now he is he wants to go out like every three hours. So <laughs> <laughs> he's just making me. And the funny yeah. thing is, just like Ray, I've been living here for thirteen years in the same apartment. And obviously, I don't speak Dutch, so that's a bit of a you know um, mm-hmm. kind of a gap. Usually, Dutch people are are much more independent, mm. so they don't get into your noses, you know, like like in, in like well Indians usually. But now, since I got a dog, now you know thirteen dogs' names now already, <laughs> which you is never crazy. The names, no, I have no idea the owners' names what what they are, but I know all the dogs' names now. Yeah, <laughs> you just refer to them like, oh yeah, you're Toby's dad, or <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. They're like, hey, this is Pepper. This is Sam. This is Joy. Like, what the hell? What's the weirdest dog's name? Uh, I don't know. I think um, I heard Ifka. I don't know what that means. Uh, okay. There are Dutch names that are that I, I think Ifka is okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, Peppers. It's normal, I think. And then there are so Sam and Joy. Those are pretty okay. And Zian. Wow, this is a dog naming episode. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. Think, uh, James. What's your dog's name? Uh, mine's Ruby. Um, Ruby, nice. Yeah, she's, a, she's a rescue dog. Oh, That's nice. I think same as uh, Ray then. Yeah, we have a rescue dog as well. Yeah, yeah but my yeah. my dog is called Eula, as in end user licensing agreement, because <laughs> you know it's complicated, but you just have to accept him. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so pretty sure I've name- told this joke on the podcast before, but you know it's. Uh, yeah, I, well, I, I, nobody I listens to this shit anyway, so you know. <laughs> Which is why we can afford twenty minutes of bullshit to begin with. You know, so. Exactly. <laughs> I think I, I named my dog Baurik Wowbagger from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh-huh. and then 
that was too long for people. So I just call him Bowie. And then, they, oh, it's like David Bowie. Like, I guess, because I've never sure, heard his music. Yeah. <laughs> I have oh, no man. Idea. <laughs> I, I thought it was called Bowie for that reason. Yeah. No, no, no. He, yeah. He's he's called, he's Bowie Wahlberger. So short Bowie you know, or Bowie. All right. Okay. <laughs> You've got to choose it for something you don't mind shouting over a field, though. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Wahlberger. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And the weird part is every time I, I introduce the dog to to somebody and then especially some older generation people, they're like, oh, let's dance and something. I'm like, what are the different? <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, that's a song by Bowie, that is. Yeah. Th- that's sort of what I figured. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, he's big. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Or, or he was. I don't know. Anyway. So, um, I guess we covered all the topics already. You know, uh, yeah. we talked about pandemic. We talked about dogs. I think most important stuff. Let's get to the less important things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, James, um, please, uh, please let us know your uh, about your closure journey. How did you end up in closure? Wow, closure journey. Okay. Um, so, mine. I started off working with it about. I think it's about eight years ago now. Um, as a Holy as shit. a recent graduate. Um, at the time, I was. I was uh, looking back on it. Actually, I was. I was really fortunate to be in the in the right place at the right time of this one. Because um, I was, I was mm. working for an investment bank um, and, and looking for my next uh, graduate rotation at the time on the mm. uh, on the grad program, um, and I bumped into bumped into Malcolm uh, Malcolm Sparks of, of mm-hmm. Juxt, um, yep. some uh, internal graduate friend of the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I bumped into him at some network event, um, and he had an opening for a graduate who was interested in functional programming, um, and mm-hmm. I'd done a little bit of Haskell at uni. Um, but yeah. and despite me not even having heard of closure, um, he decided to take a chance on me. Mm. Um, and I guess, I guess, I guess the rest is history, really. Um, <laughs> so we both we both left the bank about a year after that. I think um, he went to form Juxt with John, um, yep. and then I, I went yeah. to a small little closure startup. Um, mm. And I've been writing closure ever since, really. Ooh, um, nice. For those uh, right. for those last eight years, mm. and then I moved back to I say <laughs> I moved back to Juxt. I say back. Um, I didn't. I didn't work for Jux originally, um, but I'm, <laughs> right, right, you moved right, back right. to work with Malcolm. <laughs> but yeah, the social like circle, familiar ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah nice. Okay. So when you were at college, then, and between college and this job, when you know, was it like was that starting with like um, Java or something, or what, what, were you doing something there beforehand, or, um, or was it like always like a functional programming world that you were getting involved in? No, fun, funny you should ask. Actually, um, it's so um, I went straight from went straight from uni into this into this graduate program. Um, but for the for the first rotation, I was actually put into a business analyst role um, because oh, they mm-hmm. they buggered up on the numbers essentially, and all, all the people that, all the software developers they'd hired off of CS courses they had too many um, too many offers out for the amount of placements they had, um, and so they essentially mm-hmm. picked a few out of a hat and said, right, you're going to business analysis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Just quite quite an interesting first few weeks. Not really what you not what you expect when you come into the job. Yeah. Um, but actually, I, I say this, but um, sort of re- recent graduate me absolutely hated that role. Like it was it was pretty much sort of straight out of uni. Like I want I want to get into some sort of serious industry code now. Um, yeah, and yeah, yeah, here yeah, you are. Yeah. And what I thought mm. at the time was essentially sort of, oh, you, you've put me into this role, which is all about sort of writing specs and talking to people. What's this about? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. don't, don't get me wrong i really i really like the people i work with but the but the job really wasn't yeah. for me um yeah, yeah but i tell you looking back on it um i um i'm really sort of thankful for that because um sort of see, seeing that other side of it 
um, seeing that seeing that other side and sort of re- really getting chat to to chat to business users, I think was was a good yeah. start there. Um, yeah. And then when I when I did when I did get a choice in the matter, when I did manage to get back to coding, um, yeah. I, yeah but it's nice that you that. you have that um, that experience early on. Um, I remember when uh, when I was starting, uh, one of the uh, one of my mentors he was telling me that okay, first you should work in customer service. And then, <laughs> as as a QA, it used to be a role back in the day. Then you you become a developer. That then you would understand, you know, like what the hell we are doing. And then then there is a nice link between the actual product that you're building. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, yeah. uh, I mean, you know, I've seen some people who have been working in only as a de- only as a developer, working as a developer, and then they're so you know uh, detached from the business reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. Yes, they always yeah. want to try out new shit or whatever. And then you know, okay. You know, Look, uh, for the business, I want to have boring shit that that can run the stuff. <laughs> you know, not uh, not some uh, point, not not one release somewhere. So that's a that's a bit of a um, yeah. I think it's, it's a nice experience to have that right in, in, in mm. the beginning of the career already. So I've seen the other side of it. Yeah, I'm certainly glad of it in hindsight. Yeah, yeah. So you started with Haskell, or or you learned Haskell at the university a little bit. Uh, so really, I mean, it was the, um, the yeah the first term of programming was Haskell, um, mm-hmm. and they introduced that I think as a little bit of a leveler um, because there, there were probably a few people in the course that, um, that had done various bits of programming before, but they could nigh on guarantee that no one had done Haskell. So okay. <laughs> it, really, it really did level the playing field. But again, it's it's that it's that mindset, right? It's that it's that functional yeah. mindset. I think they were really looking to to really teach there. Yeah, um, yeah. they did then cover Java afterwards. Um, mm. But but you could tell all the lecturers were sort of treating it as a kind of a, a second class language right, to, yeah. to their to their preferred Haskell. <laughs> if you like. But again, yeah. it's I mean Haskell's great. I mean I know I know you said it's sort of um, I know we're on Closure podcast and all, but it's one of those languages I really feel that changes the way you think about programming, like Closure. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, and, yeah. And certainly, I think that. Um, no, I don't. I don't. That, I don't know, think anyone. Sorry, go on, Fisher. Yeah. You can say that you know Clojure took a lot of ideas from Haskell, right? And then just remove the types from it, because if you see the Clojure core uh, core functions, they're pretty much similar to Haskell Prelude. Um, I think there are a lot of ideas. Like Haskell has been, I think, as um, maybe I'm misquoting, but uh, who cares? Uh, <laughs> um, I think the Simon Peter and Jones was like, you know, Haskell is like the idea pool, so you can pick good ideas from there, similar to Lisp sort of way. Mm-hmm. I would say, mm-hmm. yeah. I was going to say that yeah, I think. And for me, the um, I think the I think things like Scala, higher kind of types, and Idris and stuff like that, they're very they're very kind of like mind bending experiments. I remember when I was like getting into Scala, I you know I even went as far as buying the um, the Gordel Escher Bach book, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. I was like I didn't read it, but I bought it. You know, I was, like, I was like excited. I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, it should be. I mean, it's. it's uh, I, I think I've given it away to the to the to the charity shop now. But um, it was just too much. I just, you know, for me, I think uh, maybe it was just too big a reach, you know, to to go to those kind of like type systems that are so complicated. I'm sorry to say, but I mean, you know, they definitely bring benefits. I can see that, you know. But it's just like actually working with it and designing stuff with it was beyond me. I'm pretty sure once you get over the hill. Then mm-hmm. you can kind of like you know feel it, and it and it sort of probably feels a bit more plastic than than um, than it does on the surface when you look at it from from outside. You know, yeah, but how did you? Yeah. I mean, how did you find that? Did you find that it was you know you, it, it, once you grokked it, you could 
like uh, throw things together pretty quickly? Oh, I don't. I don't pretend to have grokked it for a, for a moment. All oh, right. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Uh, and we did. I say we, we did probably one, maybe two terms of it, and then a, a few exercises after that. Um, hey, so we all we are, we are all Haskell experts here, then. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk. Let, let's talk about Haskell. What is wrong with yeah. Haskell? We know oh, everything man. now. Yeah. But no, certainly. I mean, I think with Haskell, there's there's a good few developers I really look up to that um uh, that, that really sort of that really appreciate it. So I think yeah, yeah there's yeah, there's, yeah. there's definitely something there. Yeah, but talking of like Haskell and like closure, you, you're doing this. Um, well, you tell me what what the status of this um, project is. This um, bridge project. Ah, yes, bridge, bridge. Um, so bridges. Um, it's a it's a compiler that I'm working on. Um, I'd say quite a quite a toy compiler, really. Because um, I was looking at um, looking into various things. It's mostly for my for my own learning. I would say. Um, it's it's a kind of a halfway house between probably Clojure, Haskell, and any other uh, any other number of other languages. Um, it's based on GraalVM um, and Truffle. So I think that's, that's got a good few buzzwords out the way already. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you boom, 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 boom. Buzzword that, bingo for this buzzwords. episode is like so high. <laughs> if they were making a drinking game for Defen, it would be like, there would be, <laughs> everyone would be absolutely pissed at this point, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. There we go. Um, but yeah, no, I wanted a non-toy project. Um, it's actually written in Kotlin. Um, so oh, yeah, that's what that's what yeah. I just noticed. It's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, because your yeah. your your main project or your you know eight years of experience is in closure. Yes. You know, yeah. in 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 um, well, uh, dynamic typing, um, dynamic but strongly typed, and then you switch to Kotlin, which is a bit more strongly typed than. Then I think static typed, you can say Kotlin. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're building a statically typed Lisp in Kotlin. So why? <laughs> <laughs> you just Very said it was for question. fun. Don't ask why. You know that's a. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a it's a side project. You don't really need to have a justification for yeah, side yeah. project. No, 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 I'm no. curious, like you. Yeah. Um, so I mean, partly, partly it was to learn Kotlin because I've not done Kotlin before. Um, yeah. And I was, I was a little bit conscious that I, I have really in in industry, I have really only seriously worked in closure projects. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was just a, a little bit of an insurance policy there, if you like. And to, <laughs> <laughs> to learn another language. So you, well. if you wanted to become an Android developer, you could do. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. well, <laughs> yeah. Um, but so I wanted to learn how compilers work, um, mm. like how they're implemented, that kind of thing. I wanted to learn how uh, type systems work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, probably in truth, I've, I've spent more time, sort of, way more time reading and researching than I have writing bridge in the end. <laughs> like, look, I've, I've been looking at a lot of different languages and how they approach various things, sort of why they make the decisions they make. Um, yeah, but isn't that the classic? Um, isn't that the classic hammock time? You know, mm. so so you're doing you're doing the right thing. You know, yeah. Uh, I hope so. I mean, if, if nothing else, it's been it's been quite fruitful for that. Um, and you and you really do get an, an appreciation for the level of sort of thought and consideration that needs to go into writing a language, um, yeah. and, and closure especially I think makes a lot of good decisions, right? I mean that's why we're mm. that's why we that's yeah. why we're here writing closure. Mm. I guess I'm also interested in kind of uh, in a in a kind of spectrum of solutions, right? So without <laughs> we've already got a little bit political, but without getting too political, it all seems quite like debate seems quite polarized at the moment. Like you've got yeah, you've got right. static versus yeah. dynamic, you've got OO versus yeah. FP, right? You've got I don't know, Trump versus Biden. No, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The world doesn't need any more foreign election interference. So I'm not. I'm not going. There. <laughs> I'm not sure. What, I'm not sure what is the UK equivalent of it. 
whatever that is. So uh, I think we're, we're deciding <laughs> Johnson year, versus we? anyone else. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're deciding until was it twenty twenty four or whatever until that next one. We, we've got a while. Um, but yeah, joke, joking yeah. aside, like as with I say, as with most things, there's a lot there's a lot of middle ground to explore, and hence, yeah. hence bridge, right? Hence the name bridge. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, that's a it's a really interesting thing because I, I haven't seen, well, I, I I dabbled a bit in in Haskell and um, also I wrote a reasonable amount of Scala, got paid for it. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I was looking for, you know, I want this metaprogramming closure level Lispy type thing, but possibly a bit more uh, static typing as well because I, I've tasted that as well, like, you know, what compiler can do in Haskell and Scala. I don't want the whole shebang, you know, that they bring in, but you know, the, 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 there are like certain class of things that that become they become very easy. When I'm, mm. I feel more comfortable, you know, writing that code in um, in Haskell or Scala. So I I did look for is there any statically typed Lisp? You know, of course there is a typed closure uh, that that one, mm-hmm. and then Racket had their own version of uh, typed Racket yeah. uh, mm-hmm. to introduce types gradually, gradual typing, and then um, there was a small language. Uh, done by i think somebody from latin america probably argentina i'm not sure or venezuela uh called lux um mm-hmm. l-u-x i think he also gave a talk uh during one of the closure cons or something so that that's ml but lisp you know essentially mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. kind of thing so it is all the union types and everything mm-hmm. um adts and um but somehow the syntax didn't click with me, you know. Right. <laughs> Introducing yeah. this this types into Lisp is always looks, you know, they always look a bit, a bit strange because maybe we are used to closure too much. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you and you feel sort of closure closure is very simple in that respect, isn't it? It's got very very little in the way of syntax. And when when you exactly. put types on top, you naturally have to introduce quite a lot of these these kind of mechanics. Yes. Yes. The additional syntax. So, what what is your approach in Bridge then? I mean, what how how are you thinking to introduce the types? Like, what type of type system it is going to have? Or, or it has already. So I mean, I'm kind of looking looking between the two, right? Because I quite like mm-hmm. the I'm I'm really interested in the sort of the flexibility and ease of development of closure. Yeah. Right? So again, again, I suspect it's one of the one of the reasons we're here doing it. Um, but but I'm also interested in the stat, what static guarantees are out there, um, mm-hmm. as long as they can be a help rather than a hindrance. Like yep. that's one of the one of the big things you hear about from i say quotes dynamic typing people about static typing uh, statically typed languages is that it gets in like it gets in your way like java to get yes you don't, you don't want to write all that out and all the rest of it yeah um but there's 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 a world of difference in those between those like static type systems um and, mm. and what's a, what's available like what, what can be what can be implemented mm. um so what what am i looking for i guess mm-hmm. so it's got um Probably the closest thing I could find to the way closures maps work. Um, so, it, uh, polymorph- what are called polymorphic records and variants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, record- they, they provide you the, the flexibility of dynamic maps um, with the sort of the addition of remo- addition and removal of keys. Um, yep. Quite like quite like we used to in closure. Really, it's not too dissimilar to spec in that respect. Okay. Um, in in terms of saying right, I'm, I'm expecting this parameter to have these keys. Um, yeah. And, and that kind of thing, and you can you can infer a lot of that now. Yeah. Um, there was a um, a PhD thesis came out probably a few years back now um, called algebraic subtyping, which dealt quite mm-hmm. a lot um, with with those kind of things. How to um, how to do type inferencing when yeah, yeah. Um, when when you've not got uh, not got as much to go on from the from the user when you've got to infer when the type system's got to infer a lot more. Yeah. Um, 
and then you've got variants which are the dual to that um so they're they're, they're your sum types or your union types mm. um, so they're, they're yeah. the ones that, yeah useful for checking that you've dealt with um dealt with all of the cases okay um, so i'm look, looking into that um certainly is an area a bit of an area of research okay so the types um, they're not like a gradual types or something they're they're they're, they're carried along with the with the object themselves uh, in yeah. kotlin it's it's fully statically typed um so mm-hmm. i've not i've not gone for gradual typing um it's yeah, not, not yeah. really an, uh, not really an area i've looked into to be honest um but i, I felt that um i felt it gets a lot of benefits from being 100% typed um mm, yeah. gra- gradual typing introduces a fair bit of complexity at the borders yeah isn't that like the, the- also, why you are able to target Graal VM, because then you can, you know, if you, if you, one of the one of the issues, like why why did Michael Mikhail Borkent write the small closure interpreter? It was because, mm. well, you know, we just can't do eval. You know, we can't. I mean, we have to we have to remove a whole class of these things. So I, I think I think like and it's an interesting question to you whether you took any inspiration from the small closure interpreter. That runs on um, you know Graal. on uh, on Graal VM mm. um, versus what you're trying to achieve because it feels like that that approach that Mikael has taken is is sort of okay it's still closure essentially but it yeah. could lead yeah. the way to if you were doing your kind of thing to to static typing as well so I was wondering if you felt there was any crossover there between SCI and what you were doing. And so I would say with, um, with Graal, they've got implementations for like JS and Ruby as well. So it doesn't need, mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily need to be statically typed to, to go on Graal. And, and yeah, Graal sure, does sure. quite a lot, um, really with dealing with dynamic languages, um, and, and dealing, dealing with them when they can be unpredictable, um, yeah. and change, change types of various variables and that kind of thing. And, and, um, it does a lot of optimizations under the hood, um, for how to, how to, how to deal with that efficiently. Um, with SCI, admittedly, I've, I've not looked in a huge amount into the, the details of how it works um, on Graal, um, but you, you certainly get a fair bit. Um, you certainly get a fair bit for free with Graal, which is one of the reasons I was looking at it. Um, mm-hmm. So you um, talk about the native image side there, which yeah. uh, which what makes S- SCI really quick yeah. um, to start up. I mean, they've also got quite a lot in the way of tooling as well. So um, yeah, you can, you can implement a fair bit, and it gets you a debugger, it gets you gets you profiling that that kind of thing. Yeah, and how do did you think about the metaprogramming with the types? Uh, I mean, closure type metaprogramming in Bridge. How, how is it going to work? I'm um, sorry, not not really. No, in short, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> not really. No. Yeah. Um, so we always have the hard hitting questions on that. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I've, I've, I've been looking into um, uh, looking into macros and that kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so. The, the macros you can't quite do in the same way, um, yes. Because you, yeah, at least the, at least the way I've done it in Bridge. Um, so Bridge doesn't have heterogeneous collections in the same mm-hmm. way that oh, okay. um, in the same way that Clojure does. Yeah. See, the, um, see what he said there. He's like, oh, oh okay. Oh. <laughs> but but that's the but that's the thing, right? Because in 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 I'm not sure in Haskell in in Scala there is a library called HList. You know, like you can mm-hmm. have a heterogeneous list. Yeah, that's uh, right, still yeah. typed. You know uh, yeah, that. Yeah. But that is the because this is something that that fascinates me, you know, like bringing bringing this kind of ideas into into list with types mm. is 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 challenging because you know fundamentally they're 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 I mean in my mind at least they're incompatible. Um, but isn't it just a container that you just uh, have a sum of? You know, anyway, no, because sorry, every, 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 I've every, used every, it. <laughs> the way that I've done that is a container that you just have a sum of. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. sure. So yeah, the, um, the forms as a data structure is a sum type. Okay. Um, and then the type checking doesn't happen until, I mean, it, it type checks that you return it a form, right? Yeah, your, right your, yeah. macros, your macros is like a function that returns a form. Hmm. It takes a function yeah. returns a form. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then it type checks it after that. So after you've done the, um, after you've done the macro expansion, that kind of thing is, is then when the main type checker kicks in um, and make sure that what you've, what you've macro expanded to is a valid type. Yeah. That's okay. perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So it is still in, in experimental phase or is it, um, like a 0 0.0 0.1? That means we can use it already. Oh, crikey. No, no, it's, it's <laughs> very much experimental. Um, okay. <laughs> to me, it's, it's still got a fair bit that I'd, I'd like to do with it. Um, there's, mm. there's, there's loads to think about. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've not really, I've not really touched on because I've, I've been looking to things like sort of um, side effect tracking as well, um, and, mm, and yep. structured concurrency and that, and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Again, more buzzwords so, for you. There you go. So, so <laughs> by yeah, the way, just, to, just as a as a as a small thing before we get into monads, please. I'm <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, the side effect tracking. Funnily enough, I um. Um, and we're going to come on to to crooks in a minute, but um, uh, but I, I I was doing some, and this is like as a user of crooks actually, part of my uh, usage of crooks. I wanted to um, to we, we in our in our work we wanted to um, wanted to use crooks to do some things, and one of the things that we have in our uh, blockchain for testing at least it's not it's not always true for the real thing, but in the testing side we have some atoms. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so we in the real world we have some atoms. Yeah, we do that. Atoms are a thing. But in, in our in our testing world, um, I've used um, a watcher um, on that atom. So I so it's a really nice way actually of kind of um, looking at the at the at the effect of the updates of the atoms and the previous the previous and the next kind of like before and after type things. And um, this I didn't. I know about this stuff and I've played around with it, but this is the first time in the last few weeks that I've kind of like really used it in production production code, in test code, but it is like code that we we're going to use. And everyone's like, whoa, shit, that's really nice. You know, that's a, that's a nice use of that tech because it's not seen very often. So I wonder if that's related to, to the sort of thing you're talking about in terms of side effects or like, you know, yeah, tracking these um, things. There's quite a few of those enclosures, isn't there, really? Um, I, 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 I sort of remember sort of, uh, earlier on, when when Clojure came out, everyone's talking about sort of atoms, refs, agents, and yeah, all that. yeah, yeah, and, yeah. The whole SDM. He's very little yeah. of that now. Yeah, 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 yeah very little. The, the pattern that's gone away, and everyone sort of sticks to their atoms and, and yeah, that, and I that's think about that's, that really. I think agents, though, agents, and then uh, refs, and then uh, atoms, and then now pretty much everybody just uses only atoms. I haven't seen any code with refs or or agents at all. I mean, agents used to be something. Something that did like similar to actors, but not really. Uh, yeah. So you could I get the something problem, done. The problem, the problem with those things is that you end up like you end up hitting kind of all kind of edge cases and corner cases that just don't work very well, basically. Yeah. You, yeah. Know? And you end up getting kind of like you end up getting locked out, basically. You know, <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. Shit, we don't want that. You know, you know, with atoms, you can never, you, it can't be fucked. You know, you. Um, <laughs> Just, just to get the first fucked in there. <laughs> the podcast. Hey, you also said, you also one. said, well, I, it's not, it's not the first one. I mean, Isn't it? Oh, sorry. <laughs> we, we had, oh, we had okay. seven already. I mean, we, we're so, we're so, how do you call that? Like, um, we're so blind to immune the fucks to now. It, like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Immune to it. <laughs> we don't even notice that anymore. <laughs> 
anyway yeah. uh, so but the, the coming coming back to uh, i think we we we, talk, we talked about crux and um uh, so maybe it's a good idea to to introduce to the people what crux is you know uh, uh, like me who well, we didn't never, actually never say used actually it. that you're that you're one of the core um, developers aren't you james uh, on crux yes yeah i look after i look after the day to day development of crux yeah so you can you can give us the crux of crux <laughs> funny enough yeah yeah so um so crux it's a, it's an open source immutable graph database in short is the is the, is the tagline um but it's it's by temple so it allow, allows for all of those sort of time travel updates and uh, updates and time travel queries um and you can now query it with both data log and sql um, yeah. so recent, recently added um, uh, sql support to that um, and essentially, it's an unbundled database, um, so a, a database inside out, if you like. Um, and it's based yeah. on sort of type, um, it's based on sort of all the industry titans like sort of Kafka, JDBC, um, RocksDB for the underlying storage. Mm-hmm. So we we very much dep- uh, like very much benefit from their scalability and their availability. Like there have been decades of work put into those into those projects. Yeah. Um, so we're we're um, we're very much basing ourselves on them. Yeah. So. Uh, um... Yeah, maybe you can uh, can you explain what what do you mean by temporal? Like, what does it mean? It means he um, buys temporal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's it's the like the consumer the consumer society. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, so um, yeah, by by temporal, so um, literally two times, um, and the, and the two times we have are what we call uh, valid time or business time, um, yeah. and transaction time. Or, or system time is often called. They've, they've, they've got so many different that's names. That's four so far. <laughs> <laughs> two names for each of two concepts. Yeah. yeah. Well, so what are the two? What are the two concepts? So you know, I mean, so go on, go on. Yeah. So we, we call them go valid on. time and transaction time. Right. Um, but it, okay. but every every paper you read on it will have a different two names. Every every database that you come across will yeah, call yeah, themselves yeah. something different. Um, and I guess bitemporal sounds better than two timey. <laughs> two timing really? sounds like sh- sketchy, doesn't it? It's like, yeah, exactly. I've got a two timing be... database. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> mm. If there uh... is a paper about in you know, all this stuff, it's like, <laughs> oh, it's a two timer database. Like, okay, hmm, that's that's sketchy. Um, but, yeah. but the main thing this adds you, um, so you you got the, you got the transaction time, um, which mm-hmm. is the one that which, which is the one that's always moving forward. Um, so th- yeah. this is the one that gets automatically added to any transaction you put in. Yeah. Um, and you and you know that um, the I say the, the transaction time is always increasing. That's the yeah. wall clock time, isn't it? Uh, the wall clock for the uh, for the system. Yeah. 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 Um, but the, the valid time is one that the user chooses. Um, so it's at that point either can I can explicitly make corrections in the past or even um, even put co- uh, even put data into the future as well. So if I want yeah. if I want to schedule. Um, if I want to schedule data to become true at a certain point in the future, I can I can do that mm. using valid time. Okay. And I kind of think of the, the the combination very much is thinking about corrections. So mm-hmm. whether, whether you think about corrections or not, um, because if I um, if I'm looking for audit, for example, if I'm if I want if I want to go back in time and say what did we know at this particular yeah. date, yeah, um, I can go back in valid time. Mm-hmm. And what that does is that then says what do we what do we now know to be true about that time. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. If I so I do see corrections in that case. Yeah. Um, if I go back in transaction time, that's without corrections. So what did we know then? Why why did we make that trade? Why did we um, why did we accept that contract? That kind of thing. What exactly what data did we know at the time, regardless of what was corrected later? Yeah. 
So this applies to the entire graph or because you said it's a graph database. So does that mean it's a graph database in the traditional sense, like you have nodes and, and uh, edges. Uh, edges, and then the whole thing has these two times or is it individual nodes? So it is, an, um, yeah, you can, you can think about it as a, as a graph kind of evolving through time. Yeah. Like. So at each okay. different point, at each different point in time, you take a snapshot at that point. Um, mm. And I guess, I guess you can kind of think of it as a, without one, sorry, steal a, um, steal a common phrase enclosure. It's, it's mm. like a graph as a, um, graph as a value. Uh, at that point, okay. we take a snapshot yeah. of the graph. Um, and yeah. then that's what, that's what we, that's what we show at that point in time. Mm. So in crux, it's documents rather than, yeah. rather than nodes and edges specifically. Um, okay. But it, it behaves in it behaves in the same way. So your, your document is um, your document kind of parallel to your node at that point, yeah. um, and then the edges um, are done by values within that document. So if I have a KV, if I have, have a key value in that document, um, which yeah. and the value happens to be an ID of another document, um, yeah. that beha that behaves as an implicit edge for us. Oh, so that's that's an automatic one. It's not like yeah. um, you need to. Yeah. Okay. Because a um, long time ago, I was using MongoDB. Before MongoDB became <laughs> a reasonable database, um, we had to build a similar kind of thing, you know, like um, kind of a graph on top of MongoDB, and then we had mm -hmm. our own keys mm -hmm. pointing to other document IDs. Um, so I was I was wondering how how this works in Crux. So so any value pointing to the the ID of another uh, thing automatically becomes an um, edge for for that node. Is that mm -hmm. ah okay. And and how how did you implement SQL on top of this? Because um, because uh, I, I'm I'm familiar with at least two graph databases, you know, Neo4j and um, uh, SAP HANA. Uh, that's a enterprise uh, crap. Um, so they they have this graph in memory, column store everything together, um, but they, they don't provide SQL as a, as a normal SQL anymore because you can use um, either Cypher queries. Um, or um, mm -hmm. graph script that that's the thing that they have so how does sql work on this kind of model and um, so in, in terms of in terms of the modeling um with with the crux sql module um we get the user to specify um, their relations so the relation is a query over the graph um and that that then mm -hmm. ends up with um that then ends up with a relation or a table um as, as you'd have in sql yeah um and then when you pass sql to it um, you pass um, the, the SQL you write is in terms of those relations that you defined. So like, I might I might define um, I might define a data log query that says here's all the here's all the users in the system. Maybe like find, mm -hmm. find user where user has a user ID. Yeah, that that kind of thing. Um, yep. That then gives us something akin to a table. Um, and I I might write I might then write things like let's say, forum software. Let's say comments. Um, yep. Here's here's a um, here's a table of all the comments in the system. Um, oh. And here's here's a here's a query for how to get them. Okay. Um, the SQL is then interpreted by um, Apache a library Apache CalCite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which um, which gives us yeah, it gives us a hell of a lot of SQL parsing for free. Yes. Yes. Um, so we know we're, yeah. we're certainly not in the in the in the business of writing a, a full SQL parse. <laughs> um, yeah. But then what what then happens is that then um, that then breaks it down into an AST for us. Yeah. Um, and we can then combine the the queries for the relation, uh, queries mm -hmm. for each of the relations. In fact, if they're joined, um, okay. with the uh, with the query AST, and that then essentially translates into one big data log query. 
Oh, um, that we yeah, then so run. you're translating it back to data log and then applying that onto yeah. that's that's nice. Isn't this the nice thing about like um, I mean, you know, like the fundamental architecture of Jux essentially is that it's that it's schemaless, so that it's crux. Did I say Jux? Yeah. Yes. Oh, we do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm at two glasses in, so. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, the, the architecture of Crux, which is essentially schemaless, because you know that, mm-hmm. that that's um, that gives you the power to essentially define not only schema on read, but but actually type of schema that you want to that, that you want to um, produce as well. Yes. That you want yeah. To support. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And so we, we can see that being extended to um, other query languages as well. So we're, lo- we're looking at how to support that for, for a similar type of pattern for um, defining GraphQL schemas. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. Then, then exposing a GraphQL API in, in a similar kind of way. Okay. I mean, this is really nice, I think. Yeah. Go on, sorry. Yeah, just just another question about the SQL stuff, though. So, um, so you've, the, you've picked the wrong guy for this, by the way. You want John back for that. <laughs> We'll, we'll we'll get everybody <laughs> from, from cracks. I mean, no, because, bring him in. Try to get, get him online. I'll give, I'll give him a quick call. <laughs> because the I mean, databases are, are fairly interesting for me. I keep following some some interesting tech uh, that is happening in the other outside closure as well. Um, so the, the SQL interface that you have that means it also exposes these two times uh, the, the bitemporalness to the SQL level as well that I can query for where valid time is this or something like that so unfortunately we don't um we don't fully expose the bitemporality to sql um uh, at, le- at least not yet um yeah. so i mean there, there was quite a lot introduced in sql whichever standard that was 2011 mm-hmm. 2011 um, yeah. yeah i think it was 2011 yeah. wasn't it um yeah. with with all the bitemporal functionality which i don't think yeah. calcite yeah. yet supports um okay okay so we, we've we've yeah. not gone we've not gone for that as yet um, so what there we aren't do many we... major databases that do it. I think I think no, uh, no. DB, DB2 supports DB2 it, and I think maybe it's Oracle with some extensions or some shit. But yeah. you know, it's it's it's, mm. it's not that common. I don't think SQL Server supports it, for example. You know, so yeah. even yeah. the big guys, and I don't yeah. know. I mean, I don't think that uh, Maria SQL supports it, for example. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, because um, there is a. Uh, I'm sure you might have heard this one. Uh, there is a uh, database thingy called Materialized. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, it's based on uh, uh, similar kind of ideas, but the thing is, it, it has SQL queries, but the um, SQL query can stream the the latest ones because the underlying storage is changing, right? You know, continuously. And in 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 the case of Crux, the graph is evolving, mm-hmm. but I make a query and then I'm getting a snapshot of the data. But yeah. uh, if I have to get a new uh, information, then I have to query again. Um, but the materialized guys, they, they they push the data or not not push, but actually. They're continuously updating the back, uh, the, the the storage table or view, essentially materialized view. Um, so this is a this is a pretty interesting thing for for analytics, for example. You know, you mm-hmm. can get like streamed uh, results. So, so I was curious, what what uh, plans do you have in that direction to, to take SQL being the the one of the primary ones? And um, so. I mean, we've we've obviously got data log as the kind of the the primary language, right? That's that's the yeah. language that query engines in, is written in. Um, we, we, yeah. that, I mean, we have done a little bit of unbundling in that area as well recently. Um, mm-hmm. So we we could start to look at things like um, having mo- multiple languages based on top of essentially just as guests of of Crux. Yeah. So of which of which SQL might just be one, data log might just be another, GraphQL might be another, that kind that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um. 
we're in, t in terms of the bi-temporality that we're exposing, so Crux at the moment really only deals with point-in-time queries. So when, when you mm. take out that snapshot, you take out a snapshot at a valid time and, and at a transaction time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that's all we expose, even even to the data log at the moment. Okay. Um, but we're um, one of the things we are looking to do, and it's part of our part of our ongoing research, um, is look, looking to academia to find out sort of what bi-temporality does make possible, um, mm. and, and things like adva advances in indexing and querying by temporal data as well. The, inde yeah. the indexes we've got at the moment are very much suited towards this one point in time query. Like we've, um, we've done quite a lot of work in optimizing them, so to answer those queries. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we, pro we probably need a bit more in the way of indices in, or in okay. order to answer kind of the, um, and I guess the, the kind of things you might be looking for there, like like time range queries, like, um, yeah, yeah. Like can you, can, which we, we do for one entity. Um, so mm. you can say, give me, um, give me the value of this entity over time. Um, um, but that's okay. obviously not as powerful as being able to do um, a, a full a full day slot query over different times. Yeah. But but if you if you get an entity and it has a reference to reference quote unquote reference to uh, or an edge to to some other entity, mm -hmm. um, when when you get the when when you query it at a point in time, um, that might not exist, right? The the other one, the, the 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 one it is pointing to. So you 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 can't actually traverse in that way, or is it possible? So if we we don't provide any um, integrity constraints about sort of like foreign key okay. constraints or anything like that. Um, okay, if, okay. if if you've got the data in a document, it happens to match. We'll we'll join it for you. Oh, okay. Um, nice. But we we don't. It, it's it's so sort of merely a case of you throw a document in. Um, yeah. Like throw whatever documents you've got in, and then and then query the uh, query the results. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So the, the, well, don't you I also have because, this? Just a quickie. Don't you also mm -hmm. have this like ability to respond to index building? You mean Sony? So you know you can have clients that build the indexes and they can watch uh, the logs. It's not quite like the like the the constantly evolving materialized view, but there is some sort of uh, event system inside of Crux, isn't there? Yes, yeah. It's um a lot of a lot of the events are sort of largely um, largely internal. We although we do expose one, which is the um, the, the, the transaction event. Um, so you mm -hmm. could you could listen to all the transactions that are coming through the system and, and uh, perish the, build up your own indices or whatever whatever may be um, to, to suit those kind of queries. I've not seen anyone use it like that as yet, um, but I'm certainly interested in it. <laughs> no, but I think it's interesting to you know when like if you're doing like event streaming, then you do want to do that. You know, you mm -hmm. want to be able to listen to all the events in Kaf in Kafka in. Uh, in yeah. In yeah. in uh, Jux, Crux, Kafka, <laughs> in Crux. Um, and uh, you know, and then we have a use case, for example, at the moment in in our in our um, in our organization where we want to listen to database changes, and then essentially for certain types of changes, we want to be able to send them out to something like AppSync or Firebase to kind of like synchronize with a whole bunch of mobile clients. You know, which is not exactly the same kind of thing that Vijay is talking about, but but you know this kind of idea of event streaming um, rather mm. than sort of query streaming is mm. um, is is kind of still supported by your tech, I think. At least yes, it better yeah. be. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk afterwards if it isn't. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Otherwise, you're going to open an issue for that one on, on GitHub. Like. You know, 
fix this thing for me because I, I, I thought it is there already. <laughs> so make it happen. <laughs> I've sold it already. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, James, you're talking about the, the it's it's like database unbundled, right? So there is mm-hmm. there is storage engine, there is obviously query engine, and there is uh, probably the transaction manager or something you know that is supposed to write all this stuff. So where do you store all this data? Where does it end up actually? Yeah, question. So we um, we split it into three main parts. Um, so we, we call it the. Um, the I say we, we don't have it into implementation details or crux here now, but yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> we split it into three main parts. So the the transaction log, what we call the transaction log, yeah, um, and the document store, which are our two golden stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're, they're the ones that they're, they're the ones that really need to get um, backed up and kept. Yeah, um, and then finally on each node we keep a set of query indices, and those in those in theory are throwaway. That's okay. a nice theory in practice as well. They throw away, um, okay. so that they can be rebuilt from the from the transaction log and from the uh, from the document store. So that okay. those those query indices are really um, stored in the format that the query engine needs. So they're, they're very much so the documents broken down, shredded into into um, the uh, the indices that then mean that we can run the queries faster. Um, on the the reason for the split between the the transaction log um, and the document store is mainly for, for eviction. Um, mm, so we okay. we allow to um, evict documents irretrievably from Crux. Yeah, um, it's one of the things that particularly came in after the um, uh, yeah, the GDPR, GDPR regs a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Ca- California's equivalent as well. I've, I've yes, the yeah, Privacy that Act. Yeah, that's the yeah. one. That's the one. Um, yeah. So what what we do is we put the um, the events themselves, what we call the transaction events, go into the transaction log, but they don't contain any data. Mm-hmm. Right? They don't they don't contain any data of the document itself. Yeah. Um, so that that can remain completely immutable, mm-hmm. um, and e- even if an eviction comes through, it's just another another entry on that on that transaction log, um, and okay. then it's the and then it's the document store, which is essentially a um, it's pretty much sort of a content addressable store. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we'll hash each of the we'll hash each of the documents as they come in, um, yeah, and then, and then store them in there. Okay, but if we, if I have an eviction, uh, let's say you know T one, and then imagine that. T3 is in the in the, in the future, like T1, T2, T3, etc. So at T1, I store a document, mm-hmm. and then at T3, I evict the document. I, I delete it. Um, so the transaction log will still have capital T1, capital T2, capital T3 for transactions mm-hmm. at time T1, T2, T3, but the document will be completely removed. So if I ask for the document at T1, I'll get a quote-unquote null, like nothing. Yeah, a tombstone, we call it. Ah, okay. So you got the okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's um. So where, where is Kafka coming to the tombstone, By the way, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but there are remains of stuff in under tombstone. So, <laughs> but, there are but here still everything with, is gone with that stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but where is Kafka coming into the picture here? Like, how do you use Kafka in in the whole in the design? Um. So Kafka is one of the options that we have for the transaction log. Uh, um, okay. So in the, the transaction log, it can be it can be Kafka, it can be uh, JDBC, um, yeah. and we're also looking into certain other transaction logs as well. Um, essentially, mm-hmm. anything that can provide us with a, um, a, a, a sequential list of transactions, um, we, yeah. we can use as a, as a transaction log. Okay, and for the document storage, is it your own format storing to the disk? Um, so we actually we store the documents in NIPI format at the moment. Oh, um, okay. So just. Um, yeah, yeah, free, like a compression, freeze of, free of um, serialization. Um, but that yeah. they um, they can go in a JDBC table um, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we mm. can put those in S three 
you can use S3. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we've even uh, we've we've actually even had a uh, a community contribution recently. So thanks, um, thanks Henrik for this one. Um, for mm. Crux's, uh, sorry, um, Azure's blob storage. Okay. Um, so yeah, start, starting to expand expand out there as well. Nice. So essentially, you can you can well as you said, it's completely un unbundled, so to speak. So the storage engine can be anything, um, either S3 or or yeah, Azure Blob Storage, and the transaction lock can be Kafka or something else or, or a database or mm -hmm. a SQL database. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's that's interesting. The other thing that I thought was uh, sorry, I was going to say the thing that that um, that um, got me sort of. I mean, I'm I'm all, I'm interested in Crooks because it's like a, a cent, I mean, I know it's not an open source version of the Atomic because that would be crazy, but but it's kind of like it's inspired by the Atomic, isn't it? So Very in much the so. sense that you know you kind of like you know it's a database enclosure, so it's gonna it's just, <laughs> you're gonna have you know you're gonna have some kind of relationship there in terms of inspirations. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that was I was going to say one of the things that was really not, was was kind of really nice recently that you guys did that I I kind of missed was this whole idea of like um, this notion of putting transaction data um, that you could speculate about rather than just kind of like data that was in the past or you know this bi-temporality in the past you actually mm -hmm. had a third time in some respects being you know the in-memory data that you have making it sort of a what-if type of database. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, speculative, uh, speculative transactions. Um, yeah, I think it's um, quite similar to your. your um, I think the atomic calls it with um, as well mm -hmm. um, for that. Um, but yeah, I think I mean just to, just to talk talk briefly about the atomic. I think we'd be um, would be foolish not to look at it, and um, and especially given sort of so many people within closure are so familiar with how it works. Mm. Um, to uh, yeah, I think we'd be we'd be foolish not to sort of make the. Uh, Make make it seem familiar if you like. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, but at the same time, we've also um, obviously sort of the open source side, the unbundled and the uh, um, yeah. architecture is obviously very different. Yeah. 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 So what what is this uh, speculation transaction stuff? Right. So that um, that allows you to put transactions within the database without persisting them. Um, so it, it allows mm. you to do things like what if queries. So, okay. um, what what if what if our sales data over the next couple of months looks like this? What does that then look like for our, for our yearly? I don't know. I'm making up making up a use yeah, case. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What does yeah. what does that look like for our annual numbers um, or okay. that that kind of thing? Um, but oh. the the idea is that you then get your own personal copy of the of of all of the data. It takes it. it um, I guess you can kind of think of it as forking at that point. It forks the database yeah. at that point. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. Basically, you can do all the transactions in your own memory. And yeah. never commit them to debt. It's like a, it's good for testing, isn't it? As well, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. you can kind of like you can sort of say, okay, this is the real database. Like it could be zero, and yeah. I'm going to you know put all these transactions in memory, and mm. then I'm going to just throw them all away. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. But but it feels it's all committed, so it's all kind of visible in terms of its own. You know, in terms of all the queries that are made on different threads inside of this own memory space, it all yeah, works. Yeah. But then it's, it's like, uh, node specific, then, right? It's uh, yes. it's not going to flow across the node, then. Yeah, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So in in the normal SQL world, then I would create a temp table and join them, and then figure out you know how it's going to be. I guess yeah, which is it's really probably crappy, closer yeah. to a, um, yeah. a transaction that you're not going to commit, I guess, in SQL. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm, you, the temp you know, in a similar kind yeah, of you can say commit off and then and then try it and then don't don't commit the stuff. Yeah. So you can set, but that is session level. 
uh, thing, I think, in, in, in JDBC normal. So you're uh, really databases. thinking in relational database worlds these days, Vijay? I mean, you know. No, I mean, I always think in relational database, but the, but the okay. main thing is that because there are so many people <laughs> who know relational database so much, yeah. and SQL so much, it's it's kind of stupid not to tap or, or give tools to them, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, like yeah. like data log, data log is probably known by four people, I guess. You know, yeah. uh, <laughs> pretty much. In, you know, relatively speaking, and the amount of people who know SQL is is massive. Yeah. And and it's it's it, it it's like reach. You know, it's like you know JavaScript reaches sort of thing. So SQL yeah. has that reach, and and it's not going to go away. And it's the tooling it, as well, right? That's yeah, exactly. So much tooling, the tooling around everything around it. So that that's why um, you see SQL being applied to everything, like streaming SQL, KSQL, mm -hmm. and you know Spark as Spark. Like mm -hmm. Spark supposed to be like you know big data querying engine or a processing engine, and most of the projects that I've seen so far is just with Spark SQL. That's it. You know why bother? So they spend so much time in in improving SQL <laughs> performance rather than working on you know inner workings of because SQL query planner and all that stuff because yeah, yeah. that makes Spark accessible to everybody. Immediately, not people who know, you know, Scala or, or you know, RDDs mm. and data frames and shit and whatnot. So I think it's a, it makes sense that you know you provide a SQL interface. Um, it makes it super easy to 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 introduce to to people who don't need to learn a new language again. So Do you think it's kind of like I'm interested in this about whether or not like it, it invites the question about why bother, you know. <laughs> <laughs> why bother as in why, why bother why learning bother, data what, sorry. yeah well why bother not just using the sql server or oracle or or like aurora db or whatever why no no if, you, you, if you're you if you're into can. sql yeah. then what what you know i, I take your point that and, and we're just having a little bit of a you know late moment here yeah, yeah 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 i i like the idea of putting sql on top of things and but you know but I'm just to play devil's advocate a little bit. That yeah. Once you start doing that, you're kind of inviting that question, which is, well, I might as well just use a proper SQL database. Yeah, that's true. But the thing is, the underlying data and then the 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 type of the the type of the usage of the data has changed a lot, right? Like, for example, the the the, the idea of a what if scenario. You know, I still want to do that, but I don't want to learn a new language for this shit. Like, you know, I I want to do this by by using SQL. And then yeah. the data is coming every second for me, so there is streaming stuff invented. But can I use the same interface to 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 tap into that thing? I think that that would be my opinion. I don't know. Uh, what do you think, James? I mean, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, I think we, we obviously are sort of presenting quite a difference in terms of um, the the data that you put in. Um, we're we're, we're, yeah. set, we're set not supporting sort of insets or updates as yet in, in SQL land. Um, yeah, yeah, and. But yeah, I mean, it's it's familiarity, right? It's yes. it's if it's if it's one fewer thing I have to learn about a database to get to get started, um, yeah. or if it's or if it's, I mean, we, we may also be talking about some different groups of people as well. So you, mm. you may you may have certain people within a within a company within a team um, that are way more um, that are way more happy to um, get their hands dirty with things like data log or GraphQL yeah. or whatever have you. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then you you may well also get people within the company that's. Um, let's get sort of data scientists, data analysts, uh, data analysts, that kind of thing, who are um, so familiar with that that just want to stick, yes. just want to stick with it, and that's fine, right? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. No, I think yeah. the idea of like, like using SQL as you know, putting emphasis on the queue makes yep. a lot of sense. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think uh, I think Gray, I understand your point because you, I think that that is more developer point of view, right? I mean, if I'm a developer and I'm building an application, it, it, because I, I I can learn you know SQL or I can I can write data log. That's fine by me. I but always like to take the developer viewpoint, VJ, against you. You know, one of the management elites. You know, uh, obviously, <laughs> you know, obviously, my my opinion is highly valued because you know. <laughs> Because I'm in the management now, I think the the other side of it is that exposing the data to people directly, you know, rather than having this this okay, I'm going to build a CRUD app on top of this shit, mm-hmm. and then you know that 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 makes a, that is a kind of a different. Um, in in that case, I I completely agree with you that there is no point. You can just stick to SQL, whatever that is. That is implementation detail, but once we start exposing the data to 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 quote unquote you know non developers. Then, then yeah, there are, sense, they, yeah. they, they have less amount of you know interest in learning data log. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, no, it increases the reach of, uh, of crooks or any other sort of like uh, yes. that, like you know like esoteric database. Let's say. So, yeah, yeah, totally, and and also yeah. it, it can plug into everything, right? I can now plug into yeah. Tableau. I can plug into whatever the tooling that speaks yeah. SQL. Yeah. You're you're done. Yeah. You know, yeah. Power BI or whatever. Yeah. And that makes it awesome, actually. Anyway, so um, coming back to crux <laughs> again. <laughs> um, so you you uh, it, it's not a normal client server sort of JDBC thing, right? You know, because it's if it is similar to Datomic, that means there is uh, every application is joining. Or how does that work then? If if I'm building an application using Crux, um, so with with Crux, um, in, a, in a similar kind of way, we bring down um, we actually bring down all of the data onto each um, each node. Um, the node yeah. keeps its copy uh, keeps its copy of the query indices. So while they do share the um, they do share the JDBC um, service for um, actually uh, the the golden store side of things, yeah. Um, the the node then is responsible for pulling those down and indexing those in a way that it can then it can then service queries. Um, and the yeah. and the node can be embedded. Mm. So the node can be embedded within an application. It's it's just a um, just JVM application in that way in the in the, in the same way. Yeah. Um, I mean we we do off, um, we do have like an HTTP server. Um, that you mm. can then, if you if you do want to deploy Crux separately from the application, scale it differently, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, can use the uh, can use the HTTP server there. Um, but yeah, fu- um, fundamentally for a query, it goes to its own local indices um, mm. in 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 order to um, in order to satisfy those queries. So for that, we've got um, we use we we mainly use KV stores like um, fast KV stores for that. Um, so yeah. Facebook, mm. Facebook's RocksDB or oh, LMDB are the, are the main two. Um, okay. So the and and one of the reasons that we're currently trying to um, we're, we're currently have it local mm-hmm. um, is that the the, the query um, the query algorithm we use is quite chatty. It's quite back and forth mm-hmm. um, to to, to um, service these graph queries. So looking sort of looking at adding network hops to each of those each each of those conversations uh, does add a fair yeah. bit. I mean that, yeah. that said, we do um, we, we do have a, um, a Redis spike in the pipeline as well at the moment. So oh, um, nice. inter- interested to see how that goes. Um, okay. Interest to see what the, the performance numbers look like on that one. Nice. Um, and and how does the writing work then? Because how how is that coordinated? Um, so the writing is coordinated through the transaction log, so your, your Kafka. Okay. Um, and, and we do that via a, um, a single partition topic on Kafka. So each of the yeah. nodes, when it gets a transaction submitted, um, submits it to Kafka. Um, yeah. And then essentially, if you want to read that right. Um, you then wait for that transaction to come all the way around the system, um, come all the way around and get indexed into your into your local crux node. Okay, but if you use single, I mean, I, I can understand. I'm, I'm guessing you use single partition because you want to have the ordering guarantee. Mm-hmm. Um, but isn't that then 
against idiomatic <laughs> kafka because you really want to partition it so you can scale it too well right and the kafka itself because kafka scales by partitioning yes yeah i mean e- even with even with single partition kafka still gets you a fair way um so that that's yeah. that's going that's going to serve for for a, a decent amount of use a uh, decent amount of use cases yeah. um but we we'd have to look um in crux i mean we we've, we've certainly considered how we could use multiple partitions within kafka yeah um and i think one of one of the ways would be to um look at introducing a little bit more schema um on top yes. of what we currently on, have on yeah um and relying then on the on the end user to say right i can guarantee that these two transactions don't overlap so here's yeah. here's you can put them on different parts. we'll we'll hash them we'll give you like a um, yeah. an event hash or whatever it may be yeah 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 um which then goes on to onto different partitions yeah so you can have hash partitions because i think that yeah. scaling up kafka without partitions is going to be painful right and, and also uh, you, you you need to have um yeah because if every node uh, sorry uh, so every node connects to the the partition to read as well uh, the, the read happens via kafka as well so we um we've got a an indexing um process which happens on your on your local crux node um mm-hmm. and that and that's the thing that reads from uh, reads down from kafka and in, and indexes it into our query indices oh, um okay. and then the, the queries themse- the queries themselves only look at those local query indices in the in the main only, only okay. look at those local query indices and the document store in fact okay and how is the performance like by, by the way i mean like did what kind of benchmarks or or something because i know datomic famously doesn't allow people to benchmark stuff so <laughs> yeah so I mean, obviously i can't give you a comparison <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's that's completely understood <laughs> um, but we we do have um we do have some public benchmarks or at least um, a public benchmark suite um which yeah. we test in uh, um a, a, few, a few different data sets um mm. so we we do have those running every night and what what i will say is that it holds up um, yeah yeah yeah. Like it, it, yeah it it holds up um we run uh, uh what div um which is an rdf benchmark uh, which we then mm-hmm. we then we then translate into um crux documents and crux and data log queries okay. um and we've also started recently benchmarking um tpch just um, a, a standard sql benchmark okay um nice. as well as well as a few other sort of a few other smaller benchmarks yeah yeah so yeah we we do we do have those running on a on a regular basis okay So is your goal there to make sure that you don't like go off the charts with the next release on one of these benchmarks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's I mean you can go off the charts but... upwards it's okay that's fine. I guess that's okay. Yeah. You'll permit that. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was about to say on the optimistic side of that it's improving so that we can <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in the release notes we can say yeah it's 40% faster. Yeah yeah. This yeah. time round and we've got we got some numbers to back that up. Um, so that that's that's yeah, mainly really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah re- regressions as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Crux is completely written in closure, right? That's that's what I'm, I'm guessing. Uh yes, yeah. I mean we um we got some Java on the more um sort of performance heavy areas. Um yeah. so and the, once you get down into the once you get down to the sort of depths of the query engine it gets quite it gets quite gnarly. Um <laughs> there's a few uh, there's there's a few like, memory management and that kind of thing. There are a few oh, transients wow. and things like that around. Uh yes, yeah, fair few of those. Uh, fair okay. few of those um but yeah especially once we get down into the um into the query engine we do we do have to do quite a lot of memory management um but mm. we got quite a lot of sh- same way same way as closure does generally we've got quite a lot of short lived objects um yeah. so we need to try and cut down on um cut down on those as much as we can okay so is this the project that pushed you to build bridge 
no, I think, I mean, Bridge, Bridge I've been working on and off for must be a good few years now. No, oh, um, okay, okay. So it's, it's, it's been a sort of, I say, a hobby project for a, for a long time. Um, okay. Mm. Um, but yeah, so actually, before I um, before I joined Crux, I did um, uh, I, I did start to sort of investigate like what what what's it like to implement something like Atomic, and then mm. Crux came along and was open source, and it's like yeah, okay, <laughs> now I can go and have a look. Um, yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, I think because there were there were one or two blogs written about the implementation of Atomic, um, which were which had yeah. um, been around a while back, um, or, or sorry, yeah, yeah. speculated implementations of the Atomic. Yeah, yeah, and um, also data script, for example. Uh, yeah, and, and data from script. Nikita. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, it's a, it's a very. I think to me, it seems like a very fertile space, you know, because mm. people do want. I mean, people do. I, I think Rich was right, actually, that you know this whole idea of um, like having all this nice stuff in Clojure and Eden and all these things, and then having to sort of talk to some messy back end that didn't know what was going on and mm. wasn't uh you know wasn't immutable then yeah. mm. it's kind of like tedious at the best and kind of like disappointing at the worst you know but maybe it's not the worst to be disappointed but you know <laughs> but, but definitely you know it's it's like you know why can't we have nice things whereas now yeah. it seems like we, there's, there's a cornucopia of nice things which is um which is really good, you know, because it's, this space is kind of like blossoming a little bit, I feel, you know? Mm. Yes, yeah, it certainly feels that way, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, and I think what you guys have done as well is really interesting because you've made it unbundled, you've made it open, and like you say, like the SQL stuff, you didn't, I mean, I know you stitched it together in the end, but someone else puts those PRs together, and someone, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure there are other community contributions around these things that, that you've mm. benefited from, you know? Yeah, what's, yeah, what's the story on that actually? I mean, are you getting some like, uh, is, is there a, a fair number of like community pickup and community like uh, involvement in the in the code or in the in the add-ons? You know, yeah, community is certainly growing on that front. Um, it's it's yeah. been good to see. Like, we, we've seen a little bit of a spike recently, which is quite nice. Um, mm-hmm. in, in, the, in the sort of num- number of questions we're getting through, um, and inevitably the number of issues that are getting raised. Um, that, that kind of <laughs> that's going to happen as well, right? Yeah. Um, so we, we're getting quite a little bit of that. We've not seen an awful lot into the core, which I kind of understand. Um, yeah, sure, there's, sure. yeah. There's there's quite a lot to um, there's quite a lot to get sort of up to speed on there. Um, but yeah. especially around the edges, um, so we, we're getting um, getting a few modules coming in now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's particularly sort of data storage. It's like I, I like Crux, but I'd really like it to store its data here. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. And yeah. I mean the and the protocols on the edge are, are quite simple, really. For what mm-hmm. for what they do, like I mean, doc, document store, um, for example, the protocol for that one is submit docs and fetch docs. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. it's 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 pretty um, it's 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 plenty accessible pretty to be able to do that. Yeah, um, trans, transaction log has to be a little bit more uh, has to be a little bit more complicated, but yeah, it's 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 definitely definitely feasible. Okay, and wasn't wasn't Malcolm talking about um, something to do with timelines recently as well? So they do with schemas. Ah uh, yes, um, yeah. So he's he's talking about and um, the the separation of uh, time, code, data. And I've got those in the wrong order. Time, data, <laughs> form, and code. Right. Um, so uh, apologies, Malcolm, if he's listening to this. I'm probably going to do a terrible explanation of this. Um, but yeah. <laughs> but the, the, the separation of... doesn't depend on this, James. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but it's the, the separation. I mean, we, we talk in the we talk in the closure industry constantly about decomplecting, um, a word that yeah. I've never heard before. I'm not even sure it existed before closure. Um, <laughs> um, but we, we talk constantly about decomplecting things. Um, and, and the theory there is that it, um, if we can split those four apart, um, that, that will lead to being able to um, um, being able to work with simpler systems for longer. Um, mm-hmm. So keep, keep systems simpler for longer. Uh, for longer. Um, and yeah, Crux, Crux very much, I think, is the, is the embodiment of that. The, the, the splitting of those four. Hmm. So, what are the four again? Time and uh, time, code? data, form, and code. Okay. What is form? So, form is uh, form is structure essentially. Um, oh, we, like we, a we've schema. got a thing at oh. Juxt for four letter names, so it had, it had to be a four letter name. <laughs> um, in fact, yeah. yeah structure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> structure. No, I think the fact I think that it's it's structure structure makes it particularly okay. yeah, okay. yeah. makes it particularly appealing to us. Um, but yeah, so okay. form form is the the separation of um, form and code, and mm-hmm. form and data, um, yeah. is is really to say that we don't know form and structure up front. Okay. Um, so like, there, there's quite a lot of there's quite a lot of solutions out there which rely on you knowing how your data yeah. is structured up front. Um, like you think okay. of like a relational table or whatever. Yeah, sure, you can make migrations. Yeah, um, but fundamentally we don't know the structure until we've until we've tried to use it and until we've got sort of new styles of query come in like i never realized that i wanted to use this data in this way yeah yeah and so if we if we can decouple form um from from the underlying data mm. um we can we can then make systems that are more flexible well i think my my question and i think that we're going back to the original point was about having like this notion of schema itself being on the timeline you know, mm-hmm. so you can, so, you know, um, I think one of the, like, it's interesting. I mean, I work in a kind of like in this like blockchain kind of like domain. And for us, like the, things like the contract evolution or the sort of evolution of the data yeah. form, yeah. those kind of things are, you know, they're definitely interesting. And obviously this whole thing with Rich, with um, his like um, his dependencies mapping and all these kind of things, uh, that things yeah. change over time and they should grow and, you know, if they grow, yeah, it's, it's okay. It's accretion the bridge, isn't it? Yeah, mm. if they grow, it's okay. But if it's if they if they if they don't grow, if they change what yeah. what what they return or what they expect, then it's a break. So, so you know, I think with schemas, you want to also have that kind of um, you know, schemas essentially define a contract, don't they? So you want to see whether that contract is like how that contract evolves over time, essentially. Mm-hmm. But isn't this uh, similar to maybe I'm uh, I'm not. Understanding it properly, um, isn't it similar to something like Avro? Because you have this, this data and then schema, and then that can evolve over the period. Uh, um, yeah, but I think it's not a first-class citizen in Avro. I think the yeah. problem with Avro is that Avro is like Avro is a data structure that it, it's nice in the sense that these schemas travel with the data. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the version that this data is of. Yes. is version two or version three. Exactly. So the interpreter yeah, yeah. on the other end can understand that. But, yeah. you, but, but Avro itself doesn't lend itself to a, like a global view of, of what, what that schema looks like. Maybe you can, yeah. I'm pretty sure like the, the Confluent guys can build one for you, but yeah. you know, but it doesn't, it doesn't come out of the box with Avro. Whereas I think the idea with Crooks is that you, know, you can see the evolution of a schema on your database mm-hmm. in a separate mm-hmm. timeline to the evolution of the data. But what? But aren't, aren't they aren't they 
codependent. I mean, like the the, the the schema cannot live. Well, schema is meaningless without the data, right? Or, uh, or... well, obviously not. Come on, mate, keep up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the the, um, the schema the schemas we have it very much lives on top of the data. Yeah. So yeah. you got data in itself is in a, in a in as raw a format as you can possibly get. Yeah. Um, and then applying schema to that, applying structure to that after the as when, okay. when you need it. Okay. So um, actually, with them, you you can put data into a database which doesn't conform to any existing schema. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It may conform to a future schema, or it may yeah. not. You know. Yeah. So, I think that separation is kind of like confusing to the layman like you at the beginning. Yes. But, totally. You know. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's, that's the, the, the business person. You know. <laughs> So it, it's obviously not from me because I'm 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 at SQL. So <laughs> I, I should say I, I don't think we've really fully incorporated form into into Cruxers yet. I don't I don't I don't think, I don't think we've really got that. I'm not sure. I'm sure there's some there's some iteration to come on that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it takes it takes form uh, follows function though. I think that's the way to think about oh, it. Oh fuck. Okay, there is function now. Okay. <laughs> no, but that's just a so, that's just so that's form that's follows a cultural function, which is in the code. That's a, that's a cultural reference feature. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Form but follows the, function. Because it, it already took significant amount of brain power that I've used completely now to understand, you know, the, the change from relational database to streaming shit for me, you know. I still don't understand streaming, so that's that's a good thing. So I can just live in my cozy SQL world. Um, I you always know, think when of had... it as the equivalent of like, you know, like it's the equivalent of having a drink of water versus pissing, you know. <laughs> I'm intrigued to see how you get out of this one. <laughs> But so, so what is streaming? Is pissing? Well, ingestion is the drinking, and streaming yeah. is the pissing. Yeah. But you do stream water into your mouth. You don't just, you know. Just oh, that's like... ingestion. Come on. Yeah. No, but you do stream that. I mean, it's not. You're, but there is a there is a pipe there. Well, I, gonna... I guess. I guess. I guess. <laughs> fuck, like... I guess you could stream the piss. And piss, the piss at the same time. <laughs> I don't know what you guys do in Belgium, man. I have no idea. <laughs> You'll forgive me for not using this analogy in our documentation, won't you? <laughs> no, man. I mean, this is. <coughs> but anyway, I mean, the the thing is that it's um, it, you know, the the the, for me, it feels it feels like the the complexity is raising by by decoupling things too much too much. You know, like at some point, everything is there are too many moving parts, and when mm-hmm. we introduce these abstract concepts that are being decoupled. That that feels even weirder. Okay, I have I have I have data. If I understand you correctly, Jim. So I have the data that is in the data storage, but I don't have the schema for it yet. Mm-hmm. So because my interaction with the data is via schema, at least that's what I I would think. So that for me that that kind of contract breaks there because I cannot retrieve the data because I don't know the schema. But it's a schema. I can just say dump it. It's the schema of this database. I mean, you have no, to. That, that's bullshit. That, no, what the fuck is schema as database? That doesn't make any sense. Every, well, it is because, in the sense that you can, so MongoDB, mate, you know, remember that good old it days? Does, where you it does. It does have schema. That is, okay, just because it's no SQL doesn't mean it's, no, it's but, not. No, but the, the schema is only the document that you insert. So, mm-hmm. you know, in that sense, JSON acts as the schema. Yeah, in exactly. The same so way there, is, Crocs, there is a schema. Eden acts as a schema. Yeah. Yeah, but that's but that's a bullshit thing because like Jason and Eden don't change, whereas mm-hmm. your expectations of the data, day to day, they do change. You know, yeah. So you know, you want fields of you know, you want certain number of fields in this document. You want a certain, yeah. 
you know, a certain type of these fields in a document on day one, yeah. but you want yeah. something else on day two. That's the kind of classic schema, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's where I mean, you know, they have they have like Eden as a schema. So, that's, but mm -hmm. that's true everywhere. That's a base. Mm -hmm. But then they want if you want to like enforce a spec type schema on top of that or a data yeah. log schema. Yeah, which is I think a data log is always schema on read, isn't it? So yeah. So that's that's why if you, if we come back to the um, the SQL that we talked about earlier, um, mm -hmm. where you define you define the relation separately. Um, yep. So you, you've you've already got all of your documents in Crux. Um, yep. we, we then define the schema as a as a query on top of that. Okay. Um, which so you you're going to have access to that that relation when you write your when you write your SQL. So your, your SQL then is based on top of the on top of that structure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's more like a, moving the moving the constraints. Yeah, but that was not else. that was not yeah, guaranteed yeah. on insert. That's the important point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay. At least at that point in time. So the idea about this idea of evolving schema, according to what I understand from Malcolm's talk, anyway, is that you can kind of say, okay, well, what, what, you know, what, what can I expect from these queries at a particular point in time? Mm. Okay. It's like looking into the future. Well, actually, the past, isn't it? Either no, past. like either okay, but mostly the past because <laughs> because schema one existed, then schema two, then schema three, and schema four. So you know yeah. you want to see the difference and you know track that timeline. Okay, well, I mean that went right through above my head. So obviously, <laughs> I guess uh, you know the the I think my schema is not that separated. I guess so. Anyway, so is um, my schema your next database? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm planning, planning to. I'm planning to retire in 2025. So you know, I, I don't care after that what happens in in, in computing. You know, it's like fuck it. You know, Ouch. Uh, we we have we have enough complexity yeah. already. And, you know, uh, I mean, my brain cannot take it anymore. So <laughs> I'm I'm giving it up. Like okay, fuck it. I'm done. <laughs> because the world is moving towards all sorts of weird directions that I can't, you know, keep keep in my mind or at least you know my brain cannot tolerate. Yeah. That that is one of the things about tech, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, every day there is something new that <laughs> yeah. that, that that we need to catch up, you know. Um, but at least you know, closure has been one of those um, reasonably rock solid, mm. foundation stable thing for long enough for me to to understand, you know. <laughs> so it it took almost ten years, but yeah, I think I finally have some idea of what closure is at least. Well, um, one of these days, if you can explain spec two to me uh, in the next podcast, it'll be very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you asking me? You are the schema expert. <laughs> so you should explain that shit. Um, yeah. I just have one one last question about Crux, by the way, um, because it 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 has so many uh, pluggable components, right? I mean, because th these things can be pluggable. So isn't the deployment, you know, gets a bit scary when, when you're configuring and then maintaining and then all this stuff? Yeah. So I mean, I, I guess that's one of the one of the downsides, if you like, of the unbundling is that it can seem as if there's like so many choices to make. Yeah. Um, and but so I think one of, one of the things we're working on is both sort of making the boundaries clearer, and it's, mm. it's one, of, uh, one of the things we've been working on a lot in the last last six months or so is making those boundaries clearer, making making sure that with the the, the sort of the components that we have are clearly defined, the responsibilities are clearly defined. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think a, lo a lot of it is as well as about sort of writing up guidance about what to consider when making those decisions. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah, very much. I mean, it it does. I mean, <laughs> I guess you could say it's a similar way to to closure in a way. And the clo mm. closure's kind of got a little bit of a reputation for a lot of uh, a lot of wiring up. Um, That's true. I, I, we got we got a question on Crux the other day about sort of what, what would you now recommend for how to make a web app in Crux? Uh, sorry, web app in Closure. 
Wow, okay. Where do you begin? Um, I I, I think if you've got 10 different closure devs on that one, you get 10 different answers. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Um, So um, so I think there there is a little bit, yeah, you're right. There is a sort of a, a paralysis of choice there, if you like. Um, yeah, yeah. To that, um, that we that we need to help people through. Um, I mean that that said, we are working quite a lot on um, sort of deployment and operations as well. Um, mm. So think things like um, we released what we call Crux Builder um, okay. a, couple, a couple of months back, um, and yeah. that that's the thing for you to build your own uh, Crux artifact. So if you if you did want sort of Kafka on one S three on the other, and then rocks as indices, um, you yeah. can then go and make yourself a, a Docker image for that, or an Uber jar for that, whatever you yeah. um, whatever you need. Um, so we 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 are writing up a lot more about that. Yeah, yeah, because the tooling can help here a lot, right? When yeah. the way, uh, yeah. Especially if you want to uh, put this into the deployment, whatever that the people use, the yeah. Ansible driven things or whatever, you know, it's much easier to 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 have some sort of a tooling available. But the thing is, I mean, you, you're going to have people with different constraints, right? I mean, you, yes. you're, you're going to go into some business and go right. This is we're based on Kafka, and that's an instant no. Or yeah. like we 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 can only provision. Sort of JDBC databases easily, um, yeah, yeah. Or we're 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 working with a, a certain type of blockchain or whatever it may be. Like, yeah, yeah. You're gonna yeah. you're gonna get these constraints. So we, um, yeah, we've we've chosen best to be open there. Yeah, yeah. But are are you like um, Kafka is more um, kind of uh, necessary thing for for Crux right now, or is it something like? Uh, are you looking into implementing MQP related stuff so you can use RabbitMQ or something else? Um, so we've also got, uh, so we, we can also use JDBC tables for that transaction log side of things. So you can use yeah. JDBC across the board um, oh, okay. for, the, for yeah. the transaction log and, and doc store. Yeah. Um, I, I dare say we, we could add support for, for other, other queuing libraries as well, other queuing, yeah. um, other queuing yeah. services as well. Okay. Um, or we could get some community contributions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, because uh, <laughs> the, 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 because AMQP is more or less like a protocol level thing, right? So once once if you enable that one, then probably you can talk to RabbitMQ and maybe zero uh, as well, I guess. This MQP uh, guarantee ordering? That's the only uh, thing that I... Th- that's the only thing I, that you, you need, isn't it, James? That's is, the big uh, thing. Ordering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it does because um, okay. RabbitMQ... I was a bit confused Q, by that. Because so. I only know RabbitMQ side of it. Yeah, so yeah. maybe. Oh, that's a, that's an... Uh, you know, obviously, people who are listening to this one, you know, you're way smarter than at least two of us. So... Um, <laughs> So please, please let us know if uh, if you know uh, you can build stuff with the MQP, and then uh, you know that could be a nice community contribution. Yeah. And yeah. suddenly, you know, it opens up uh, more possibilities for Crux. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just one last question. Um, I said a last question, but it's not about Crux anymore. So I I, I still have one more question though. So <laughs> I've been writing Closure for for eight years, eight nine years almost. Um, so is it Emacs or some other shit? <laughs> I've got to be careful with this one, haven't I? Um, <laughs> no, no, no. no. Um, for me, it's Space Max. So. Yeah, there you go. See, I think uh, I think you know you're you're a quality person, so I can sure imagine you're using uh, Space Max. And uh, yeah. there, there, there you go, right? I mean, even Jesus. even you know smarter people use Space Max, obviously. So <laughs> why did I? Why did not I, just why did not I just even bother talking to this guy? You know, <laughs> you, find, you find stuff out on this show, you know, that you never you didn't know. You know yeah. So this this is like one of those memes, you know, like James is not my friend anymore. <laughs> yeah. At the beginning of the show, he was our friend, but not anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. So so you build the entire crux using Space Max. 
Oh, I, I can't say I've built the entirety of Cracks, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but but you're developing using Space Max. So that's, yes, I think, yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know how marketing works, right? I mean, there is a small star <laughs> somewhere and then there is condition supply. Yeah, well, know, right down the bottom there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. May or may not be true. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not actual, yeah. not actual gameplay. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sequences may be shortened. <laughs> <laughs> Transactions so, may be lost. Yeah. Yeah. So, We're not so, so, so now you know that you know um, entire crux is built using Space Max. So yeah, that's that's uh, we'll on, yeah, we'll on that on that bombshell. <laughs> So um, on that death planet, <laughs> yes, on the that death one. star of uh, space Mac. computing. Yes. Um, so yeah, I think that I think we covered a lot of ground. Is there any other thing that we that we need to mention? Um, obviously, Crux is open source, so it is mm -hmm. available, and uh, people can download, install, use it for whatever the thing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, if you are into code, then you can support by writing code, um, you know, writing extensions, writing the add-ons, whatever the different things that James discussed about. So please go and check out. And um, obviously, you guys offer commercial support, right? For yes. for, uh, for Crux. Yeah. Yeah. So Jux yeah, will Jux provide Jux commercial support. Answer. Yeah. So there is a there is a solid closure company behind Crux. So that means you know you know the ins and outs are outs of it, obviously. Uh, and you've been doing closure for long enough. I think I, I think within Juxt, it's like a, uh, how do you say, like fifty years of closure experience? Oh, crikey. Or more, probably more. more. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's got to be, it's got to be more. I reckon. Yeah, yeah. Let's say a hundred so with a star at the bottom. <laughs> may or may not be true. May or may not be true. That that should be this podcast. Actually, we were talking about doing some uh, twenty twenty merch. We should yeah. say something like Def and Closure Podcast Star. May or may not, may be, or may true. not be true. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely the best closure podcast. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's may or good. may not be yeah, true, you know. <laughs> so that'd be our new T-shirt. We used to call ourselves the best vegetarian closure podcast. You know, I think <laughs> yeah. that's probably still true. Yeah, it's probably still true. <laughs> but yeah, oh, that's really good. Yeah, nice. Thanks, James. I think it's um, it's been a. Uh, it's been you know pleasure to talk to you, and then getting deeper into into crux. Um, so I think people who are listening to it, you can go and check uh, Crux, uh, github.com slash slash Jux, slash Crux, slash Crux. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, there is Crux channel in, I think all the, uh, usual places where you suspect closure folks are available, like yeah, Clojureans. So, yeah, yeah. So we got a Crux channel on Clojureans. Um, we've also now been invited onto the, um, GitHub discussions beta. Ah, perfect. So that's a good nice, thing to try right, out yeah. as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, and our so, official support channel is a, is a Zulip channel, which is also um, yeah. available there. Yeah, put, so there are. We can put links to these in. Yes, yes, we do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll put the links to all the all the stuff. So um, yeah, I think that's it from me. Um, and um, any last words, Ray? Or last um, insults well, I mean, to your co-host? <laughs> no, I mean you know to be totally honest, uh, I've used Crux um, uh, in the past uh, in the past few months and. Um, hmm. I find it to be a, a real pleasure, um, and I think you know James and his mates are uh, doing a great job there. So, you know, I think I think this whole space is you know it's very fertile ground, and um, 
you know, so I think it's it's just excellent that um, that, that people like you know James. I mean, especially I mean, without being too patronizing, you know, a young man like you, James, young man, oh yes, young man like you, coming up in the world, you know. <laughs> no, but it's really nice. I mean, to be to be delivering such great technology into you know into the sort of into the community. Um, you know, and and because the reason I mention that is in terms of last words is because I think you know Rich I think put his hand up at a conference you know a year or two ago maybe it was a few years ago I don't know saying you know who's like who's used like a uh, closure who's been to a closure conference mm. before it's all the old crusties basically and his mm. idea was you know well maybe it's not too bad if it's all old crusties but actually it's quite nice to see you know I know that Juxt is quite a young company actually I know that mm. that Malcolm and John are like more like senior a bit older a bit more gray hair or whatever but um but obviously they're you know they're they're young at heart that's for sure but um but clearly the you know the the company that you've got going is you know is it's all kind of like recent graduates you know in their twenties and thirties um and and uh, you know it's it's really nice to see people doing this groundbreaking work, young people in this community. And, you know, I'm, I know, I think I, I'm really lucky to be a consumer of this stuff and to be, you know, to be talking with you guys, you know, and, oh, you know, hopefully kind of like helping to promote it a little bit with, with this podcast with VJ, you know, but, um, but James, I mean, you know, a real gent and a re- it's been a real pleasure to talk to you and, you know, congratulations on the work you've been doing so far. And, and oh, it's a great you. start to your career, I think, you know? Yeah. Oh, no, thank you for having me on as well. Totally, it's been an yeah. Pleasure, yeah. Awesome. So, um, hundred years of closure experience, building crux in space, Max. So. <laughs> that's a, well, you, that's the new tagline. There we go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> may or may not be true. <laughs> um, so, that's it from us for episode number sixty-four. And um, wherever you are, stay safe. And um, I think we'll be back with another episode soon-ish again on our regular or irregular schedule that we are on. So (laughs) thank you. Thanks, James. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of DefN. And the awesome vegetarian music or the track is Melon Hamburger by Pizzeri. And the show's audio is mixed by Walter Dullert. I'm pretty sure I butchered his name. Um, Maybe you should insert your own name here, Dullert. If you'd like to support us, uh, please do check out our Patreon page and you can show your appreciation to all the hard work or the lack of hard work that we're doing. And um, you can also catch up with uh, either Ray with me for some unexplainable reason. Uh, You want to interact with us, then uh, do check us out on Slack, Closure in Slack or Closureverse or on Zulip or just at us at Deafen Podcast on Twitter. Enjoy your day and see you in the next episode. That's why people stopped, you know, coming to our show. Like, this, this is a shitty show. I don't want to be associated with it. Uh, dude, <laughs> people didn't stop coming. Don't tell him that, okay? <laughs> <laughs>